0: It's time Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the sports, sports Rush, rush with, with Brett Rump. Rump. Go to Denver, Three ball. That's covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Clark, eleven yard touchdown. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most
1: interesting,
2: most important person of all time. You are incredible. Well, Over them, Yeah! Well, you're half right. This is This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest
0: hour. Just when I think you said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Y'all ready for this? Thank God it's... time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man. Friday afternoon. Derek Decker in for Brett Rump. Adam Lundy running the show here in the 1380 The Fan Studio. Hour number two of the sports rush here today. And we are excited about a whole lot that's going to happen in this hour because it is going to be basketball, basketball, more hoops, and then a little bit of baseball sprinkled in at the college level. Uh, and I'll explain why I think college baseball is is the most underrated sport in America coming up in a little bit. But we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. Got to start, though, with thanking Shane Albrani for hopping on in the last hour, talking about the comments. Hey, Again, you can hear both of those games and the rest of the games this season over on our sister station, WoWo, 92.3 FM and 11.90 AM. Buck drop tonight is at 7.10 from West Banco Arena uh, against the Wheeling Nailers and then on Sunday afternoon at Huntington at the Huntington Center over in Toledo against the Toledo Walleye team that has given the Comets fits all season long but coming up in this hour we've got more Caitlin Clark talk but this time is going to focus a little bit less on Caitlin Clark and a little bit more on what the Hoosiers did last night how good is Indiana are they good are they going to host a regional If you were with us the first hour, you got my thoughts on it. I think that probably, that win, as long as they avoid disaster, should solidify them in a potential regional host. But also IU Baseball, off to a tremendous start. They're in the top 25. They are ranked going into this weekend. They're on the road at Baylor. We're going to be joined by the voice of the Hoosiers on the women's basketball and baseball teams, Austin Render here momentarily. But then we're also going to talk more about high school basketball matchups This weekend, of course, tonight on our area, you'll hear 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM. You'll hear Norwell and Homestead, the boys taking on each other uh, over at Spartan Arena, the new place. It's been around now for two seasons and excited to get in there. Be my first trip in there. And I'm very much looking forward to it. I know the setup is great. I've seen it on on film and on TV and on broadcast tons of times. So I'm really excited to be there. John Nolan will be on the call here on 1380 The Fan tonight, but then tomorrow coming up we've got a doubleheader of high school girls basketball down at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Bishop Lures against Brownstown Central in the 2A game, and then Norwell against Gibson Southern in the 3A game. Tip off 12:45 for that Lures Brownstown Central game. I'll have the call of that one. Josh Williams will have Norwell Gibson Southern, and tip off is uh, right after six o'clock here on 1380 The Fan. 6:12 is official tip time, by the way. But uh, make sure you hop on for the pregame. Joined now by the voice of IU women's basketball and baseball, Austin Render. So glad we could finally make this work out. And uh, two guys that have strong ties to the two boys teams playing on our air tonight, Norwell and Homestead. Thanks a lot for hopping on, Austin.
0: Hey, Derek. It's great to to be here. I'm glad we could finally make it work and uh, a lot of fun things to talk about today.
1: Oh, no question. We'll start with what happened last night at Assembly Hall Uh, But I I do want to start things off with a lighter note before we get to the the important meat on the bones. The jerseys. Got to get your take. What what'd you (laughs) think? Especially in the whiteout last night, what would you think of the the environment, but uh, what jerseys you was wearing on the floor?
0: So when I first saw them on my phone when I'm scrolling through social media, I was not a big fan. I didn't like the idea of doing it on a whiteout. I didn't like the jerseys. Um, But seeing them in person last night, I thought they were fine. And I honestly thought it was a cool look to have a whiteout and then have your team almost stand out even more in the dark gray. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that they should do it every time, but I don't think it's as bad as uh, I initially thought it might be. Uh, I think it worked out all right. I thought, I mean, everything was cooler when you win. And that's exactly, uh, I think, the take that most people came away with last night. Yeah,
1: and let's talk about how they got it done. Dominant fashion, second half, rolling. Um, You know, it it got close-ish a couple times, but it never really felt like you were in danger of Indiana losing the lead. That being said, Caitlin Clark on the floor. An eight-point lead does not feel like much. That can disappear in the blink of an eye. But they held her at bay last night. Iowa did not shoot the ball well from three. Um, and, And this was a really important win in the grand scheme of things for Indiana, especially given Monday's loss.
0: Yeah, you, you had to have it, and Terry Moore said that after the game. Um, they obviously don't talk a lot about external things like Big Ten championships, seeding opportunities, um, but that was—they all knew it, especially after Monday. You can't have that type of loss on your resume and not have some sort of win to kind of counter it. And Indiana missed all its opportunities on the road, but we found out last night what it's like to bring top teams into Bloomington. and It's kind of what the men's program had established for so long, is that when top teams come into Bloomington, that's as difficult of a place to play as anywhere. And Indiana made that known last night. Uh, You're right. I mean, it never was comfortable because Caitlin Clark is on the other side, but it never got, I think eight was as close as it got the entire second half. Mm -hmm. And they give Indiana a lot of credit. Um, like you mentioned it. It was a bad night for Iowa. They're not going to shoot that poorly very often. But a lot of that is Indiana making their looks difficult, making Caitlin Clark settle for tough shots. I know she can make tough shots. But you'd rather her settle for tough shots than easier shots. So I, I thought Indiana did a really good job defensively uh, and made life very difficult. A team that averages 93 a game ended up with 69 points. So Indiana was doing something right on that end.
1: Yeah, Kaitlin Clark goes for 24 points on 26 shots last night, and the Hawkeyes shooting just 5 of 28 from 3. 0 for 8, too, in the fourth quarter uh, when you got down to crunch time. Well, for this IU team, you got two games left in the regular season. Northwestern, who uh, really struggled against Indiana a couple of weeks ago when they were in Bloomington. And then you've got Maryland at home, a team they already beat on the road. Chances are good, yeah? And I, I kind of want to get your, your feel for where Indiana's at, because given all the stuff, their resume, obviously that that their best win last night, it does still feel like a team that needs to prove itself and make sure you don't stumble in the last couple of games and then maybe win a couple in the Big Ten tournament to solidify a shot at hosting in the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, I think where they're at right now, I mean, after Monday's loss, um, Charlie Cream, ESPN's bracketologist, moved Indiana to a 5 and bumped Syracuse up to a 4. But then yesterday, Syracuse lost and Indiana won, and they flipped them this morning. So that's how quickly things can change. But I think Indiana is sitting kind of on that 15 or 16 line uh, as like the last or second to last four seed. So if they take care of business these next two games, then they go and they play whoever it may be, whether it's the seven seed or the six seed in the big pit tournament, and you take care of them. You've done enough to be in the conversation at that point, but you could close the door with a semifinal win over Iowa. That would be that would be the the nail in the coffin, the ceiling, all right, we are a host school because we just beat Iowa for the second time. They did just announce Minneapolis is going to be sold out for the Big Ten tournament, and I guarantee you that's mostly Iowa fans. So it'll be like playing at Iowa at the Big Ten tournament. So it will not be easy. It's still Doable to be a host school if they just win their next three games and set themselves and be competitive in that semifinal against Iowa because then you come out of the season with five losses, four to top ten teams all on the road. You didn't lose at home. There's only one bad loss on the schedule. I, I, it's doable. But you take that waiting game and you take the decision out of the committee's hands and put it in yours if you can make a run at the Big Ten
1: all right, for this Indiana team, of course, last year, a number one seed in the in the big picture here. Um, defense was a big deal last night. That is something that uh, has come and gone for Indiana. Obviously, their offensive firepower is is about as consistent as it gets anywhere in the country for this group in particular. But do you feel like the, the success, the key for them to potentially making a tournament run lies on that end of the floor?
0: There's no doubt. Their defense has dipped. Over the last month or so, Um, they entered last night as the worst team in the conference, an opponent three-point percentage in Big Ten games. Opponents were shooting about 39% from the three against Indiana. And I thought they were much improved. They had a really serious intensity to them last night. But you got to bring that even when you go to play Northwestern next week when there are hundred fans there. I mean, right. I know I don't mean that it's not a slight to Northwestern. It's just going to be a very different atmosphere, and you've got to bring that same energy and intensity, and it's hard when you don't have 17,000 people cheering for you at every move you make. And then when you go to Minneapolis and you're playing, let's say you're playing in a quarterfinal matchup with Maryland, and there's not a lot of people there rooting for you. It's just a lot of Iowa people hanging out, watching more basketball. And honestly, probably rooting against you. You've got you've to come up with the energy and the intensity to bring it each day. That's been the biggest thing. Indiana brings it at times, and even in, in games. There are like three quarters of great defense, and there's one quarter like Illinois on, in the second quarter where they just don't have it. And they've got to be more consistent because, like you said, the offense is going to be there. They're going to score almost 80 points every single time. But if they're giving up 80 points to Illinois, that's when you're in trouble. Last night was a true encapsulation of what this team can be at its best. All
1: right, well, let's switch gears a little bit because I, I already went on my my personal uh, Caitlin Clark rant. I think it's like the second time in the three shows I've hosted I've complained about Caitlin Clark. So <laughs> not going there. But let's shift gears a little bit and briefly touch on IU baseball. Heck of a start to the year. Uh, you were... In the mix last weekend, you, you saw what this team could be. They're in the top 25, a challenge on the road against the Big 12 team in Baylor this weekend. But uh, I use baseball team trying to build on the back of a regional final appearance in a Game 7 against Kentucky last year. Uh, things look good. Yeah, they, they should be in the mix for a Big 10 title?
0: I think so. Uh, and they're actually kind of similar to the women's team in the sense, of, in the baseball sense of offense-defense. They They are going to score runs. They're going to. That's who this team is going to be. They're very deep. They have a lot of position players that are going to not only play but probably rotate in at DH as well. They just have a lot of really good bats in this lineup. If they can get the pitching that they got in that opening weekend, that's when this team is going to truly be dangerous. The Duke game was very winnable. They just couldn't quite scrape across enough runs in that game. But Coastal Carolina, I mean, the pitching from Connor Foley – At Ty Boswell, zero earned runs against one of the best offenses in the country last year at Coastal Carolina on their home turf was really impressive. If you can get that type of pitching, which I know that doesn't happen every single weekend, but just enough to give that offense some support. That offense is going to eventually average seven, eight runs a game this season. So if you can get good enough pitching, they are deep in the bullpen, but they've got to get the plane off the ground at the start of the games to give them a chance. And last weekend they did that really well.
1: Uh, coming in before we brought you on, just teasing it about how I think college baseball is maybe the most underrated sport anywhere with the passion and the excitement. Obviously it's, it's tough for a lot of folks in this part of the country because the weather stinks this time of the year, most days <laughs> granted uh, a great day for the home opener uh, in Bloomington this week. It was tremendous weather uh, and the sun was shining and, and it was a pretty good crowd out of Barkoffman Field. But uh, I don't know. D- do you share the same sentiment? My uh, love for college baseball has taken off the last five or six years, not only as Indiana has grown as a program, but also just, again, all the intensity and all the fun that comes with college baseball on a national level.
0: Absolutely. And Bloomington loves it. And I think we'll continue. I mean, we had almost 2,000 people at the opener. Uh, this coming Tuesday, it's supposed to be in the mid-60s for another home game against Purdue Fort Wayne. Yeah, uh, So that'll be a lot of fun as well, as long as the rain holds off. And, and these folks down here, they love their baseball at, at Bar Coffin Field. But I agree. I mean, I had never been to a college regional before last year. And just stepping foot in the stadium in Lexington for the first game, which was Kentucky Ball State, and just feeling the energy. It was like a mid-afternoon game on a Friday. Yeah. And you could feel the energy, and I'm walking around, we're watching the game, and I turn to the guy I'm with, and I'm like, this is super cool. Like, this, this is what this is all about. And no, not every game is going to be like a regional, but I do think there is, there is something about baseball that it's, it's labeled America's pastime for a reason. A beautiful day in the spring or the summer, there's two better ways to spend it than sitting and watching some high level baseball.
1: Well, cannot wait to see what Indiana does. Uh, Certainly a team with a pretty high ceiling on the baseball side. And obviously group on the women's basketball team where you are uh, in a position to be blessed to potentially call another tournament run. And hopefully a couple of home games in the NCAA tournament. Austin Render, the voice of IU women's basketball and baseball. Hey, thanks a lot for hopping on the program today. And and, uh, definitely look forward to not only more of your work, but what the Hoosiers can do here in the next couple of months.
0: Derek, I appreciate it. I hope we have some runs in us here, both basketball and baseball here coming up.
1: All right, that's Austin Render. Thanks a lot for his time this afternoon, and we've got to take a break. When we come back, we transition to high school basketball, the girls' state finals this weekend at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. We kick it off. 2A preview, Bishop Lures and Brownstown Central. Coach Mark Pixley just won his second sectional in 10 years at Lures, Back-to-Back Champions and now has elevated that with a deep run in the state tournament. We'll talk more about that when we come back. Derek Decker in for Brett Rump with Adam Lundy on the Sports Rush, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Back here on your drive home on Friday afternoon, Derek Decker in for Brett Rump today. Producer Adam Lundy's hanging out here too, and uh, we just got off the phone with Austin Render, the voice of IU women's basketball and baseball. So glad to have him on. Of course, he's a uh, Homestead grad too, and we've got and I'm a Norwell grad myself. So Norwell and Homestead, the boys' teams battling it out on our air tonight, and uh, should be a fun matchup. I, I think these this game is always fun at the end of the year. Norwell won by two last year. And uh, it's it's a fun uh, reiteration of an old NHC rivalry that used to exist back before the Northeast Eight was formed and before Homestead joined the SAC in basketball and in football. And so, again, John Nolan will have the call. Voice the TinCaps will be on the call of that game tonight from Spartan Arena. Tip-off. Right around 7.30 here on 1380 The Fan. Then you could join us for the PSM High School Basketball postgame show live at Pizza Hut around 9.15. The evening's capped off with Indiana Sports Talk. Coach Bob Lovell statewide show 10.30 tonight on 1380 The Fan. So certainly a busy Friday night and something we haven't talked about much. The Dons are on the road at Green Bay tonight. Brett Rump is out there with them, with the team, and John Kaufman's guys trying to gain a little bit of momentum heading into the last week or two of the regular season and A team that is gearing up, of course, for a Horizon League that is consistently a one-bid league. The week that matters is Conference Tournament Week. And they have put themselves in a better position. They've been a little up and down over the last couple of weeks. But they have at least bucked that five-game losing streak they had back in January. They have gone win-loss, 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 win win over the last month or so. So looking for a win tonight. Certainly will be a challenge in Ken Palm. They're about three-point dogs and certainly will be interesting to see how that plays out tonight. PFW, a team that needs to rebound better on the offensive glass. It's been one of their banes all season. And uh, Green Bay, not bad at doing that. So they'll have to be good on the offensive glass tonight to have a chance to win. And then PFW wraps up their little two-day road trip or three-day road trip on the weekend with Milwaukee on Sunday and uh, we'll have that game on our air as well. Tip-off is at two, uh, at 3 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 2.45. And if you are looking for the Purdue-Michigan game this weekend on Sunday, that tip-off is at 2 o'clock with pre-game at 1. That'll be over on our sister station, WoWo92.3 FM, with Rob Blackman and Bob Prattel on the call. But now we transition to high school hoops. We've talked about everything under the sun. It's been a lot of basketball. We've even sprinkled in a little bit of baseball here. But, uh We got two games coming up tomorrow afternoon uh, on our air at 1245, right around that time. Don't know for sure because Lures and Brownstown Central is the second game of the first session of the state finals tomorrow. The 1A game will take place at 1030. So depending on when that game gets over, uh, expecting Lures and Brownstown to be right around 1245. And we'll have the pregame show a few minutes before that. I'll be on the call of that game and preparing for this ball game has been a lot of fun watching the two styles because it's interesting adam anytime you get two teams that play the same defensive structure it's it's like watching a mirror image of the two they are both two three zone teams we see lots of zone in this area on the girls basketball circuit and i don't know to me that's always a fun matchup doesn't even matter the quality of the two teams obviously the quality here is really good you're in the state championship lures is ranked number 10 in the state brownstown central got a few votes right before the end of the last uh regular season poll by the girls coaches association. So a team that has found a way to weasel through the South half. A lot of the good teams, the best teams in in two A, knocked each other out South Knox and North Knox, the number one and two teams in the state ended up being in the same sectional. Of course they're in the same County. So that rivalry took out one and then the other lost uh, in the next week in the regional. So, this is an interesting matchup. Two, three zones, the key. But I, I think and I, we were talking with Caleb and Kenny this morning about you know how this game might, might transpire. Lures certainly has an advantage in the post. There's no question about it. I think the Knights have perhaps the biggest team that will be on display all day in the state tournament. They might have the two best post, post players that play in tandem with each other. In any of the four games that we see at GameBridge Fieldhouse, so they definitely have an advantage there. Brownstown, though, wants to play at an extremely deliberate and slow pace. They want to slow it down big time. Adam, think about this, okay? Just want you. I'm going to throw out a stat for you. The last half of the regular season, Brownstown's a team that averages in the mid 40s, mid to upper 40s. Mm-hmm. So they definitely play a slower pace. Yeah, they are averaging 25 field goal attempts per game 25 that's it (laughs) there are teams that make 25 shots in a game yeah uh you know and just by the way we're going to talk to norwell head coach eric thornton coming up in the next segment about norwell and and gibson southern Mm -hmm. that game in particular two best scoring offenses in the state remaining both teams averaging over 65 points not the same here for this brownstown team they really want to slow it down uh, again, tip-off is at 1245 here on 1380 The Fan. I don't know. This is looking to be a great game. Anytime you get two teams, I, I wouldn't say either team necessarily didn't expect to be here. But again, you've got number 10 in the state. again. Granted, against out of the SAC, you're playing that tough competition all year. Bishop Lewis has a win over Columbia City in overtime, which is definitely the best win on their schedule. But then Brownstown Central coming out of the South, there's really nobody that was picking Brownstown to make it to Indy. So both teams... For lack of a better term, playing with a little house money. And at the high school level, when the lights are brightest, Saturday afternoon, those always make for really fun games. Absolutely, I, I do think that uh, Bishop Lures talking about that two a game a little bit. Skipping over to that one, I do think that Bishop Lures brings in a, a lot of experience and a lot of very. SAC experience, which yeah. I think we have seen proven to be huge when you get to these state tournaments against teams that definitely do have very good records. But again, you know, it, it's in a not necessarily as strong of a conference or playing against as strong of teams as Bishop Lures does every week in the SAC. So I think I think experience and and competition factor is going to be a real Really big, uh, really big key here for the Bishop Lures Knights to kind of lean on that experience playing against some 3A, 4A teams like that. That really provides a lot of help and a lot of practice, you know, when you get down to these, you know, higher level 2A games. Well, I'm sure we're going to have some biased picks, but four six eight six two is our Parkview <laughs> Sports Medicine text line. Text me in your pick for this 2A game, Bishop Lures or Brownstown Central. Also, want to get your thoughts on Norwell and Gibson yeah. Southern. Um, again, we're going to talk about this more in depth in the next segment, but. Norwell has a terrific team. No question about it. I I think this is the best team that Norwell has ever had. They have set an offensive record for averaging a game, 65 points. They averaged 64 last year, so it's not like they were shabby. (laughs) They got uh, beat in the regional round last year by Hamilton Knights. They avenged that loss this season against Hamilton Knights in the semi-state. And... Uh, Hamilton Heights was ranked number one at the last regular season poll. Norwell was number two. So clash of the number one and two down at Huntington North last week. We had that game here on the air. Caleb Hatch called it on 1380, the fan. And it was a really fun game. Norwell came out just on fire on all cylinders. They were up 20 at halftime, 39 to 19. They dropped 39 points, mind you, on a team that gave up around 36 a ball game in the first half, <laughs> so they just destroyed Hamilton Heights in that first half. Then kind of had to hang on in the uh, the late third, early fourth mm. quarter. Hamilton Heights made a push. Cameron Runner, the Evansville commit, is uh, just tremendous, and so she is on the way to college. She was averaging 27 points a game. Ended up getting there, by the way, but uh, again, she just really had to struggle to get there. Only had six points. In the first half and so excited to see what that game brings their opponent is Gibson Southern and this is a team that can hit them stride for side uh, stride for stride again actually outpacing them in terms of offensive average they're closer to 66 points per ball game this is a team that can score with the best of them too and they are led by a couple of tremendous guards Gabby Spink is their leading scorer. She averages 19 points, six assists per game, shoots at over 30% from three. She's got an offer from Maria Marcassano up at Purdue Fort Wayne. Also has offers from Southern Illinois, uh, Southern Indiana, pardon me, and Evansville. And then they've got another guard in Chloe Graham, a senior who is already committed to uh, Indiana Wesleyan here in the area. So excited to see what that game brings. Of course, on the Norwell side, you've got Kennedy Filling headed down to Marion, play at the NAIA level. Dakota Hubble, 6'1", big inside, athletic, great defender and shot blocker. She'll be at Huntington University next year. Then Mackenzie Feast will be right here in the Summit City playing at St. Francis. So tons of local talent coming into this game, even from the south half in what Gibson Southern brings to the table. And again, tip-off for the 3A game is at 6 p.m., just after the top of the hour. Josh Williams will bring you all the play-by-play action as Norwell battles Gibson Southern. But anyway, it's going to be a really fun weekend down at Gamebridge. It'll be – actually, it's my first trip to the girls' state finals. I've taken in the boys' state finals a couple of times. Very excited to bring that Lures-Brownstown Central game to you tomorrow with tip-off right at 1245 here on 1380 the fan hey we've got to take another timeout. when we come back i'll sit down with norwell head coach eric thornton as he socks his team's best run in state history they've never played in a state championship game that's on the line gibson southern also playing for their first state championship in school history norwell's never won a team state title outside of baseball they've won it three times Looking to change that tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock tip-off here on 1380 The Fan. You'll hear that full conversation when we come back on The Sports Rush, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Joe Tipman, and you're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Back here on The Sports Rush on this Friday afternoon, joined now by Norwell Girls Basketball Head Coach Eric Thornton. Coach... First of all, congrats on getting to this level, a milestone for your outstanding career, but uh, also a a real testament to your team for battling through, getting to this point, after all the years of getting close to this mark, and then finally getting over the hump this year. What has been the key difference in this group reaching Indy?
2: Uh, Well, unique position for our team to bring literally everybody back from a year ago. I think it starts with um, those seniors who um, have been through... You know, as freshmen, they saw us get to semi-state and play a an incredibly good South Bend, Washington team, and just continuing to want to get there and hopefully further. So I, I think I, I think this this team has has been very very focused on what they wanted to do, and more importantly, they believe they could do it. They know they're good. Um, they've they've been through the battles. They've accepted everything that we've thrown at them. Um, They've never shied away from that and um, I I see a very confident group, probably more confident than I've ever seen a team at this, you know, going into the tournament.
1: One of the things that you've said coming into the year is you mentioned that this was the first group that you'd ever, you know, had the goal right out of the gate and come out and said it, let's go win a state championship. Um, What made this team different from past teams?
2: i'll go back to last summer you know we we we've talked about the schedule strength this year um which, which is huge but i i think it, it even if you look back at june you know playing in the charlie hughes showcase where we're going up against some really good 4a schools and and just having success in this throughout the summer and just going that we we can not only play with anybody but we can beat anybody when we when we step on the floor i I think you saw that in the summer they felt it and it really uh created a pathway for this group to set the goals that they did for this year so you know in june you have a good feeling for what your team's going to be like i know it's summer ball but it's still a really good indicator of what you're going to have i love the benefit of that since we've started uh, doing that a number of years ago um so everything got ramped up this summer they had success, um, that can only um, catapult your team the following season.
1: What are the feelings right now for you as a coach and also for this team here leading up to this monumental week? There's obviously so much that goes into it, a lot of patentry. It's really a a whole week deal, getting the team practiced and through the luncheon and everything else. What's the experience been like so far, and and what's the feeling going into this game?
2: The experience has been great. You you realize when you're down at uh, GameBridge for the media day yesterday um, how many moving parts there are, uh, how many people are involved. You know, Working with uh, the IHSA and also the Patriots, and the fever, um, knowing what has to take place uh, and just the amount of detail uh it's exciting it's exciting to hear them say yesterday that they're going to have to open up more seating for this than normally in the past um i we're a part of that you know we're a part of that um that 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 uh, um the planning and and uh you know the increased seating we're, our, our community i couldn't be happier for them we're trying to keep this week as normal as possible um even though it's not a normal week i think you go into it um, trying to be very smart about your practices um, shortening things even more uh, than we have um, earlier understanding that uh, rest is more important than practice at this point not overtraining, training um, not giving them too much but giving them enough information they, they need to know what's going on they need to know um, everything that, uh, this week is about, um, they need to soak it in as well. So, um, we're giving them what they need. We're not giving them too much. We're getting them off the floor as soon as we can. And, uh, we're just continuing to have fun. Uh, we've got the last few days with this group. We want to keep it as normal as possible. We're, uh, Connie Clark, County Clark, our bus driver's flying back from Florida, uh, tomorrow <laughs> to be our bus driver. Because why? Because that's what we normally do. And, um, you know, I want our kids to ride the same school bus with the same bus driver. I want them to sing in the horrible way that they do on the way down. <laughs> um, it keeps them loose. It keeps them confident. Um, yeah, it's a special group. It's a unique group um, that uh, um, I wouldn't wouldn't want to. Uh, wouldn't want to go through this with any other group but I also think about the past groups that were mm-hmm. just as good um, to do this and uh, you know I'm very very thankful for everything that they've done
1: well speaking of this special group on Saturday uh, first of all you go into the morning game you take down a top ranked team in Hamilton Heights and really control the game from start to finish open up a 20point halftime lead and then just cruise past Bremen in the final four contest what impressed you on the floor throughout both games and the ability to control Control two teams at this level this late in the tournament.
2: I, I think for us, we, we've talked about this with with our defensive uh, intensity and just trying to be. The word we've used is overwhelming, and uh, it's a mentality for us. It describes the energy level that has to happen, uh, the aggressiveness, the uh, the angles we take, the active hands, the um, the the amount of effort that you have to put forth defensively to win at this level is where it all starts for this group. Uh, they love to play uh, on the end of the floor. They understand the what that produces on the other end Um, and so just the confidence level you saw it in that first half right off the bat that we can jump out we can execute Um, we're we're flying around on defense Uh, we're responding when things don't go our way we're responding on the next play uh, no matter no matter the situation so um, it's a very connected group. Uh, it's a talented group that, that really wants to achieve uh, the goal they set out to to achieve
1: Well coach we'll get to more on Gibson Southern in a minute but you said in the past you've said multiple times you feel like your group has an advantage with the uniqueness of your defense that you play in the one against teams you don't normally see. Obviously this is a team on the complete opposite other end of the state. You feel like that could be a, a small advantage you carry into Saturday? Well I think you have to believe that
2: i think you have to um understand that uh, they're going to feel that way about things they do as well so um and that's not anything you can control we, this is what we this is what we do mm-hmm. you know and we've we've poured uh two years of of uh of this one three one and we play it hard we play it hard this is not a we're going to let you pass it around with direct passes wherever you want and kind of chew us up we're gonna make you play a different way uh, and maybe a way that you've not really practiced against all season now maybe in the tournament now you see it and you've practiced okay let's we got four or five days to kind of figure this thing out but you can't simulate it. You know, you can't. Um, it's just, and we we faced the same thing with other levels of pressure. When we played Snyder, we can't simulate that yeah. pressure. And we experienced what that felt like, and it was not fun. Um, and we don't want it to be fun for Gibson Southern. They're really good at what they do, um, and uh, that's that, that they're very deserving to be here. So, you know, it's a different way to attack. Um, they, they, they hang their hat on their things as well. So um, I do think it's an advantage when you're playing somebody that's not in the normal conference rotation and hasn't experienced that in the past, you know in the past. This is the first time they've seen it. You can scout it, but playing against it, um, hopefully, is a different thing.
1: Well, as you mentioned, two of the best scoring offenses in the state. In fact, the two best scoring offenses remaining of the eight teams that'll be at GameBridge Fieldhouse on Saturday. For this Gibson Southern team, they've got a couple of terrific st- uh, scores. Two guards, one a junior, the other a senior, both likely to play high-level college basketball, and then we have got a freshman that's really improved throughout the course of the season as well. What impresses you about their personnel?
2: Well, I, I think I think they're they're really good at. at, at at pace. Um, when you watch Spink uh, get a rebound, uh, she really like talking to the Washington coach last night. She kind of likes to hang around under the basket when the shot goes up, so she can get the rebound and then just go. She might need two or three dribbles, yep. and if Schnauss is running down the floor, she's going to hit her right on the spot, and it's going to be a layup. And that's that's that could be demoralizing for a team. You know, you watch Schnoss' first three steps, and she's 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 separating. Um, And then Graham will pull up. You know, she's got a great step back, but she'll dribble it down and she'll pop it. to a very quick release. Um, But I think Spink's the one that, you know, it starts with. You know, she's a physical guard. She can bully you. Um, You can invite her to take bad shots. And then I've seen her make a lot lot of what we would call bad shots. It's not a bad shot for her. She's a different player. And, um, you know, she's physical and she can kind of create some space with that off arm. Um, very good three-point shooter, but really gets to the rim well and, and plays drive and kick well with Graham uh, out on the perimeter. So uh, there's a lot of pieces there. Um, they, those three players are what they start with. And then, you, you know, you get past that and you think of the, the good job their role players do just like ours do. So I, I think in some ways we're similar and other ways we're different.
1: Well, what will be the most important things, the keys to the win, trying to get a victory in in your first ever state championship on Saturday? Yeah,
2: I think just doing uh, the things that we need to do as far as, um, you know, our offensive possessions. Um, You know, we talked about the defensive end, and obviously that's a huge piece of it. Uh, But on offense, you know, against their half-court man-to-man, that's been the common theme through what we've seen and talking to Danville's coach two nights ago and then Washington's coach last night. Am I seeing? Am, am am I right here? And that's 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 you know we're we're meshing together on what we're seeing and what I'm what I'm talking to other coaches about. But just finding a way to play on offense. You know, when we can't score in transition, how can we find a way to keep playing and get the best shot? I think this group has really matured. Being able to get to that fourth, fifth, sixth side if need be on offense and not not, uh, feeling rushed about that, feeling very comfortable um, about playing offense against a good team. You know, not allowing them to get those easy transition looks, that's that's huge where you're not just they gotta earn everything they get. you know they're gonna they're gonna be successful in ways but not giving them the easy ones. Um, and so those are the things that come to my mind after watching you know uh, four five six games at this point.
1: It's a long buildup going through this week and going into Saturday. What excites you most about going into this ball game? Obviously, you're playing for hardware, but um, you know it's such a long week. It, it must feel good once the ball's in the air. Just get back to going and and having your kids back on the floor.
2: Uh, I think about just the support that we've had. I'm excited about this. I mean, this is for. Her. This is for our team, this is for our community, this is for our student section, our, our wonderful um, crowd you know, that we had at Huntington North. Um, just the excitement about being down there together. We've got um, six youth girls basketball teams. We're supposed to play at Columbia City this weekend. Coach Shear knew that we were going to pull out of that. Um, anybody would do that. She was very understanding of that. But we took the money that we were supposed to pay columbia city for the term and entry fees we got all of them tickets down in section one and two uh... coach nick Lund, our third grade coach has the, the our team store the white front but then um, got with team mantra and kyle john Lowe's and, and said uh... hey can we put we are the future on the back so that's going to be on the back of those white t-shirts i bought sixty five tickets for those uh... six teams coaches are going to be with their players there in sections one and two right down there on the baseline i'm excited for you know uh, our our younger girls i'm excited for our past players um as i mentioned i'm very very thankful for what they've done for the program um you know my parents uh, uh i think of my parents i think of uh, my my wife and my kids um and i think of the players parents just uh, all of those people being down there together you know this this is for all of them uh, that's what i'm most excited about
1: Head Coach Eric Thornton of the Norwell Girls Basketball Program. Coach, uh, can't wait to see you on the floor on Saturday. Obviously wish you the best of luck, and thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Derek. All right, we'll take another break. When we come back, more Sports Rush on the other side on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Back here on the Sports Rush, and we start to wrap things up here on this Friday afternoon. So glad you could be along. Derek Decker and Adam Lundy here. Derek, in for Brett. As uh, Brett is on the road with the Dons, 6.45 is the pregame show tip-off at 7 as PFW is at Green Bay tonight. That is over on the stream here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. You can catch Norwell and Homestead last weekend of boys' regular season action. And so exciting times. And then it'll be followed by the Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball postgame show. Live at Pizza Hut coming up right around 9.15. John Nolan will have the call at Spartan Arena as Norwell takes on Homestead. Interesting battle between those two teams. I'll be there as well and and looking forward to seeing how that game kind of takes on shape because it's two teams looking for more momentum heading into the postseason. Will Jamison is back for Homestead. And then for Norwell, they've had a team that had to regroup and rebuild basically from nothing. They lost almost all their scoring from last year, clawed their way to a 13-8 and record. So excited to see what they can get uh, as they upset Homestead last year. A lot of folks consider that an upset despite Norwell having a better record. Luke McBride set the all-time scoring record in Wells County history in that game last year. So looking forward to that game again tipping off Right around 7.30 tonight here on The Fan. Also coming up this weekend, important state finals action down at Cambridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. On the girls' side, in 2A, it's Bishop Lewers against Brownstown uh, Brownstown Central. Approximately 1245 is tip-off there. And then in the 3A game, Norwell against Gibson Southern. Got two teams, Bishop Lewers looking for state title number seven. Norwell looking for their first-ever championship, first-ever trip, too, to play in a state finals game. And uh, a number two against number three matchup in that 3A game. I'll have the call of Bishop Lewers and Brownstown Central. And then uh, coming up at 6 o'clock, it'll be Josh Williams on the call here on the fan. Again, a very busy weekend. You can check out. All of the stuff online. Make sure to hit up the podcast and check out our replay of this broadcast. It'll do it for today, though. Again, stick around. Coming up shortly, Norwell and Homestead just around the corner. This wraps up this edition of the Sports Rush here on Friday afternoon. For my producer, Adam Lundy, I'm Derek Decker saying so long and God bless. This has been a special presentation of 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.